It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and happy Friday. And welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk, joined by former Giants. Giants punter Jeff Fiegels. We're going to take your calls early and often today, folks, at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Get on the line. We'll talk some Giants football with you as news continues around the NFL with the New York football Giants. And Jeff, the negotiating window for free agency is just three days away. <laughs> We're getting there, and then the league year, so that's Monday at noon. You call it the exactly. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that's I what it is. It is. Yeah. And then you get to Wednesday at 4 p.m. when, the, when the league year begins. Yeah. The league year. Oh, good. That's when a lot of things happen. So free agency coming on. Yeah, but, you know, these, these things, these guys get uh, a lot of these deals done way before it happens. And that's why they put this period in there because it was happening way before it was supposed to happen last time. Uh, but so they just said, you know what, why don't we just create this little window, John, that we can just do and, you know, we'll, we'll figure out some stuff. And then as soon as it, the uh, the clock strikes. Everybody announces what they did. So it's cool. I mean, I guess it's it's one way to stop the tampering, if you will. But um, I think it's good. But it'll be exciting to see what the Giants do. I mean, obviously they're doing some things as we uh, find out the news that breaks and stuff like that for how they're clearing some of this cap money. And well, and one move is good to have you on, Jeff, mm-hmm. to decide to let go of Riley Dixon. Yeah. So talk to us about that a little bit. Well, saves, saves him a couple million, and yeah. as they continue to try to get under the cap, because remember. All they have to do, Jeff, is be under the cap by right, the start week. of the league year. Yeah. They don't have to do anything else. Right. Now, eventually you'll have to get enough money to sign your draft picks. You, you know, whenever that happens in May or June. Yeah. You're, if you want to do anything in free agency, you have to clear some more money. I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, Joe Shane's going to want to do something in free agency here. So even though now, you know, there were reports as well of, you know, Sterling Shepard renegotiating his contract mm-hmm. to free up some more money as well. Without seeing the details of that contract and all some numbers are being thrown around there, I hesitate to throw numbers because I don't know exactly yeah. what it is and no one else seems to know the exact amount, but it, it's a few million, let's just say. So that would rally get some under the cap. But again, eventually you have to make room for your draft picks, which is probably going to be around $12 million this year because the two first-round picks. Yep. Yep. And then if you want to do anything, and you're going to have to bring in a couple veteran offensive linemen here, at least one, you don't want to start Andrew Thomas and four rookies, right? Uh, there's some work still left to be done. Yeah, and I think a lot of the discussions will be going forward between now and that date next week. Um, the Riley Dixon thing, uh, listen, I, I, you know, they, they signed another guy. Gillian is his name. Um, they call him the Scottish Hammer. <laughs> Left-footed guy. It's a, it's a great nickname. It really is. <laughs> but, um, you know, Bradley was... Um, um, he Riley was I said Bradley Riley was making a lot of money you know 2.8 million was and so they've got to go and f- try to find some of that money that you just talked about John and so uh, you know they they obviously went to I'm sure that they probably this is I remember just from the situation where I had this happen to me when I was in Seattle with the um, with coach Holmgren and you know they come to you and they say hey listen you know you're supposed to make so and so next year um, we want you to take a pay cut if not we're going to release you and so then it's up to you what you want to do. And I, mean, I believe you said see ya, right? Uh, I said no. I said no, I'm not taking a pay cut. And they ended up not doing anything. Oh, and, really? Yeah. So you called their bluff. I and... called their bluff twice, actually. <laughs> um, the other one was the following year was when I came here. Right. And that's when I called their bluff at the last minute, too. So and did they actually cut you that year? No. No. So I no. Th- when they asked me to take a pay cut. You had one year left on your contract. So here's what happened. They drafted a guy. Oh, and I ran him out. I ran him out after three weeks of camp. He was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Where was he drafted? Like seventh round? Yeah, or something six, like that. seventh okay, round. I got somewhere you, I got in there. You. Yeah, oh, just great. a glorified free agent. But anyways, but so Jeff putting rookie punters uh, in the graveyard, baby. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> um, and what happened was there was a, a lot of guys that got hurt. Now, were you at the just real quick? Were you at the point of your career you actually tried to help that kid, or were you just like you know what? No, not <laughs> a, no, not after they drafted him. That was kind of like a smack in the face to me. So I basically was like, okay, you guys don't think I can play anymore? Let me just show you what I can do. Good luck, um, kid. Yeah, good luck. Um, but what happened was that one of the reasons they cut him was they, they had a lot of injuries, and so they had right. to go and find you know they had to, they get a, they had a roster spot, so they needed to get rid of the guy. But anyway, so um, and then the following year, I was a. Um, 
that year I was a free agent coming out after that that season, and that's when the Giants uh, picked me up. But it was funny. The story is that what happened was is the Giants offered me, you know, I gave the Seahawks kind of first right of refusal, and I went to them and said because my kids were in school and I didn't want to leave there. I'd been there for five years. I really wanted to stay, but you know, when it comes down to the money and things, it's it's a big deal, especially at that at that juncture of my career. I was you know and a little long in the tooth, but wanted to make as much money as I could. So I gave the Seahawks a chance to match what the Giants did. And they said no. And so Ernie, of course, he called me and said, listen, we got to we got to know your answer or we're going to we're going to resign Sean Landetta because he was still playing in the league. I think he was with the Eagles and he was a free agent. Um, and so I went back to the the Seahawks and they said no. So I called Ernie, of course, and of course, wouldn't you know that a few hours later, Homer called me on the phone and said, "Hey, you know what? We, we'll, we'll go ahead and just do that." I said, "No, too late. Bye bye." I love that story. You 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 have told me that story yeah. before. Bye bye. I'm a big. Tried fan to summarize a little bit. So, um, anyways, and so here I am sitting in front of you. And, um, and Tom Coughlin was very happy because Coughlin you were very good at kicking the ball out of well, bounds. Well, that was uh, that was when Jim Fossil was the coach in '03. Right. And then the right, following right. year, I came. Uh, Tom came in here, which he was happy. They were both That's happy. That's right. You 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 were with Fossil yeah. for that last absolutely. Disastrous oh three season oh god now you you were on a lot of bad teams Jeff yeah. was was that the worst year that you no. went through Mm-mm. no Cardinals yeah and by the way remember uh, <laughs> Coach Fossil was with the Cardinals with me remember right. he was the offensive yeah. coordinator right. there that's right. and so that's, that's the relationship right. that I built with Jim Fossil God bless him um, and so that's what you know one of the reasons and, and you know I got to know Jim pretty well and I remember after he had got fired here. We were out in Lake Tahoe one year, and he was playing in the golf tournament out there. And I, I had some discussions with him, and he said to me one day, he goes, you want to know something? You know that we tried to get you the year before we got you? And I said, well, what happened? He goes, Holmgren wouldn't trade you. Because that was the year, remember, that I, they asked me to take a pay cut? Mm-hmm. And so it was a whole, you know, it's just a whole thing going on as things do behind scenes. As players, Funny. you never know, right? So it's kind of interesting, but you know, back on Riley, I think I feel like, listen, I, I I texted him this morning. I actually was pretty close with Riley, um, and just told him, listen, you know, you got a future in this league. He's still a young guy, um, and he'll have a job somewhere. I know he had a down season last year, but you know, sometimes it's just it's it's time to move on, and both both ways, you know, as a player and as the organization. So that's what happened there, and the Giants saved some money, um, and then they've got a guy on the roster who. Um, you know, they gave him a little bit of money up front to, to come here. And so that's what, that's, what's going to happen. So there'll be some competition there, but things move on. And, um, you know, as the, as the giants move towards this cap and getting under it, um, things like this happen. No question about it. So now we look ahead to next week, Jeff, and one trade I want to bring up and I will relate it back to the, do we have music? I would love to have like a music background, like no. we have a trade. Well, and I, don't, I, don't like, have like, you know. I don't have a breaking news trade. I have a well, trade that happened yesterday. You can just put some. Go ahead, John. Well done. <laughs> so yesterday, it's Friday, Pearson. Why not? We can just screw this. Khalil thing up. Mack got traded from oh, yeah? the Chicago yeah. Bears oh, my to the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers obviously trying to make a run here while Justin Herbert's on his rookie contract. Yeah. Smart move. Mm-hmm. They re-signed Mike Williams. Now they trade for Khalil Mack. And I think this is interesting because the price for that, I mean, pretty good combination, <laughs> right? You have the 48th pick in the draft. That was the Chargers' second-round pick. And their sixth-round pick in 2023 going back to the Bears. Now, here are the details. The Bears have to take on $24 million of dead money on max contract, okay? But they saved $6 million based on what the, what the salary was. Now, at age 31, the Chargers have to pay Khalil Mack $17.7 million this year. Next year goes up to 22.9. The next year goes up to 23.25. That'll be when he's 33. Okay? All the guaranteed money's gone. Uh, so you can get out of that contract that anytime question. you want. Yeah, okay? Gotcha. So what I'm looking at here, remember Clomax coming off his season when he was hurt, hurt yeah. didn't really play. The year before wasn't like a vintage Khalil Mack yeah. year. He's and a little he's, down, down. Correct. And he's yeah. 31 years old. Yeah. Okay? So... Now, if the Giants are fielding offers here, and again, we're not saying they are, but just reports are that this. they're talking yeah. about. Again, we're not reporting this, just talking about what people are saying. That if James, they decide they want to trade James Bradbury, right, to try to save some cap space. If they decide this is the path they want to go okay. down. And obviously, you love to keep James Bradbury. Good player. Great guy. Yeah, there's nothing, fits the system. There's nothing wrong love with him Bradbury, as a player. love Bradbury. love to have him here. But again, economics might force something like and, that. And you, happen, never, right? and you know what? And economics might force something that maybe they can keep him somehow. Correct. Who knows? Maybe they can do a, yeah, who a, knows? a contract extension. You never know. Whatever. But 
This is his contract details, right? So he, the Giants would have $9.7 million of dead money, and about $13 million or so would go to the new team. Now, Bradbury is just 27 years old. I thought I wrote that he's down. Young. I guess I didn't. I will double-check that. Uh, he's either 27 or 28. Um, 20, he's going to turn 29 August. Okay. So he's 28 right now. So right. younger so player. So he'll be 29 this year. Didn't have his – had a better year two years ago. Was still okay last year. Mm-hmm. But in his prime year still, right? He hasn't yeah. shown slippage yet because of his age. One year left on his deal, just $13.5 million, which is a good number for a cornerback of his caliber. Mm-hmm. Right? Number one cornerback. So looking at what the Chargers had to trade to get Mack – given the larger salary, older player, longer, more cost-prohibitive contract, how would you, Jeff, then think about what the Giants might be able to get back in return for Bradbury? Well, let me ask you a question. So um, his his deal on the guaranteed money for Bradbury, is it up now or is it, I mean... Well, well, that guaranteed money would stay with the Giants. That would it, be what their dead money is that they would have to the keep dead on money, their Which cap. was... Nine, nine and change. So, but again, that's... Irregardless of what the new team is, right? The base salary would go to the new team, which is like thirteen and a half. So you're asking me to compare it a little bit to Khalil Mack. Well, my question is, based is, on what the Chargers were willing to give up for Khalil Mack, what do you think another team would be willing to give up for James Bradbury? What was it? What was the draft picks on Mack? The forty eighth pick in the draft this year. So that's their second round pick, Chargers, okay. and then a twenty twenty three sixth round pick. So it doesn't seem to be that much. Okay, I mean. Well, this is why I'm asking the question. But again, his contract is larger than Bradbury, and he's, in, he's $4 million more in the contract, and he's older. And again, that's just this one-year hit. You know, that has the question. two years after that. Really but again, they can cut him if they want. Uh, what is his cap on going to a new team? Would uh, be? It's back? Yeah. No, Seven, no, no, no. Bradbury. $13.5 million. Okay, so like you said, it's very not, reasonable. not a very, very reasonable. Very reasonable for a good cornerback. So it's probably attractive to somebody, yep. but but in that sense. And probably a better team, right? Yes. And the other thing is it's also attractive for the Giants for two reasons. Number one, they're clearing cap. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also, he's still young. Yeah. 29 in August. Um, still has a lot of, like you said, the things that you said. So there's a lot of good football ahead of him. So I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in the second round. Okay. I'm not going to give up a first round. I don't think. Oh, that, no, absolutely there's not. There's no way. No. I, I think um, you're debating between a two or a three is kind of what the conversation is. Well, here's my is. thing. I don't, I, I'm not going to compare Khalil Mack to James Bradbury as far as talent-wise. Well, Khalil I, Mack's a better player. 100%. Mm-hmm. And he got, the, they gave up the 48th in the second round. Yes. So I've got to go further than that with James Bradbury. Um, I'm thinking late second round, maybe third round pick, and then picking up the stuff, and then maybe pick up one other one closer to a fifth round maybe so you're saying somewhere between pick let's say 60 I was and gonna... 80 so that would be the last four picks of round two 32, and then the first 32, 32, 15 36, picks around three yeah, yeah i'd be around in there yeah yep okay yeah um now does trying... that as now if, if you're the giants gm does that motivate you enough to make that trade or would you prefer to figure out a way to Work out a contract extension with him. I would prefer to try to make because I feel like James Bradbury and Wink Martindale's system is a is a win win. But right. I just don't know if they can do it. No, it's tough. I it's mean, you'd have to difficult. you have to bring that number way and again, down, and then and again, basically, what that would be doing is that and again, he's a good player, and the cap's going to go way up. So it's something you can do if you want. But that would in effect be pushing money into later years, right? Which you we would, knows they don't want to do. Which is something Joe Shane doesn't want to do. So that's right. kind of what the balancing act here is. And again, we're not we're not saying they should do one thing or another or anything like that, which, but th- which that's makes, what the equation is. Which makes me believe that they're not going to do that, which means they are going to... This is Again, we're not saying this is happening, folks. Right. This is just our hypothetical. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. They're trading them. They're taking the cap money. They're they're gonna you know he's gone. Okay, and that's based on the market too. Like maybe a team's only gonna offer a fourth and a fifth, in which case maybe like you're right, maybe I don't want to do that. Well, the market always tells you what it's worth, yeah, right? Just like I selling would, houses. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I would think you'd be able to get a three for him. I don't think anything later than a three, and as high as a late late second, right? Yes. And sixty look, sixty and, number. And then that trade would cover your entire draft class in one sure. fell swoop. Your draft yeah. class is yeah, paid for. Yeah, because you're, well, $13 million, so there you go. Draft class is paid for. And you have a little leftover pocket change on the side. And you're, and you're yeah. I mean, and, you and then you got to figure out how to clear more figure. money to sign free agents. Well, then, <laughs> but also, you got you got to draft a cornerback then. Yeah, probably. 
which by the way will be less expensive for you of course and the pro- and you would probably probably have the chance if you chose to use the fifth pick on one or to seventh. have the top corner in the draft or the seventh yeah I, I don't think carolina would probably pick a cornerback after they right. took jc horn last yeah, year Yeah, so you got five and then the exactly so so you would probably you know again is it impossible that that the jets at four take a corner or houston at three takes oh a corner? i got one for you i don't think it is but okay you can get the top you might be able to get the top corner in the draft at five or seven so let me ask you a question yeah if you think you could get I'm just throwing names out now. Stingley, or you could get Sauce Gardner was, would be the first guy. Those would be the first two, and, and I think, frankly, based, I think it would, I think Sauce Gardner right now has kind of cemented himself as CB one. Right. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: So sure. with that fifth pick, if you think you can get the guy that you're wanting, because you're going to need a cornerback, mm-hmm. cornerback, by the way, you're going to, you think you can get that guy at seven? Are you willing to take that five and move it down just a little bit and pick up some capital? This is the fun thing about why we do this every year. Well, I don't think you're going to be able to because I don't think there's going to be a team that wants it. But I think you're also worried. And I said, you know, the Panthers are probably not going to pick a corner at six. That's what I'm saying. Well, what happens if Stephon Gilmore leaves in for agency? And J.C. Horn, was it Achilles or ACL from last year? I think it was Achilles, right? Pearson, look that up for me. I'm pretty sure it was Achilles. But it was, it was one. It was a season in the injuries, either the ACL or the Achilles. I think it was the Achilles tendon. So... They're a defense. As you know, Jeff, we scouted them last year when the Giants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. took them on. You know, they're a team that likes to play man-to-man and blitz. So you need cover corners if you're the Carolina Panthers. So do you say, oh boy, you know, do I risk losing Sauce Gardner at six and not picking him at five? You say J.C. Horn injury? Yeah. yeah. I think it was broken foot. Oh, did he just break his foot? Yeah. All right, well, that's well, not close. as bad. <laughs> it was I mean, still the foot. <laughs> it isn't as bad as an ACL or an Achilles, but yeah. it's still... Feet corner, you want to, you know, you got to, you know, really launch off of those feet. So, hmm. I actually feel it makes me feel better about him this year. If you give him like in like a pure ten month recovery, someone three, that's not super heavy. Three I broken bones. Three broken bones. Three broken bones in his foot. Have you ever heard of that, Jeff? Usually, yeah. Now, <laughs> that's usually, hard. usually it's just like the so, uh, Jones the meta- fracture underneath. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow, that's crazy. Thank you, Pearson. So um, I remember when he he went down in like a sack. He went down like in a heap when it happened. It looked like he was in a terrible amount of pain. I didn't realize it was just a broken foot. But three bones is nothing of nothing of. You know, yesterday you had, you had mentioned a little bit about how you can peel the onion back a little bit on this stuff when things start to happen. It'll kind of give us an idea what the draft's yep. going to set up. So sure. I think this is a big, this is a really big peel of the onion. Oh, the Bradbury is huge. So no question. I think that once, if it does or it doesn't happen, it'll it'll tell both sides of the story. If it does happen, we know kind of what's going to be the future of the draft for the Giants this year at that position. So, and you know, it could be where you go offense, defensive line at five, and then at seven you got the corner. Could be that way. The problem though is that you're going to have to leave that first round without without either an offensive tackle or cornerback or an edge rusher. You only got two picks. Can't get three. <laughs> so you're going to have to leave one of those for the second one, round. One of them is going to have to be, which I think probably would be and Frank, an offensive lineman. I think edge. I think you're getting a better edge rusher. Depends at the top. on who drops. I think you're getting a better if edge Thibodeau's rusher. Thibodeau's at five. I, I'm just saying, if I think you'll get a better edge rusher at the top of the second round, then you will get an offensive tackle. A better offensive, a better player. I think you'll get a better player if you're mm. picking an edge at the top of the second round than you are an offensive tackle. Right, right. But if you have that edge player as a much better player than the offensive tackle at five or seven, like let's say, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau's there or Jermaine Johnson's there, and you have them ranked as your, you know, fifth and sixth best players, and Charles Cross is your 16th best player, well, no, don't, don't take your 16th best no, player. No, no, you're not doing that. Pick your edge player. Yeah. And same deal. Sauce Gardner's your sixth or seventh best player. And, you know, Charles Cross is your 17th best player. Pick your sixth or seventh best. Pick right. your cornerback. Right. And then, look, it's going to be, uh, I hate to say it, but you're going to have to just figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to. Because remember, it's not, this, is, this year's important, but it, you're not just drafting for this year. You draft, draft the best player. No, this, this team, in our opinion, or in my opinion at least, is in a total rebuild. And so, yeah, I mean. And, and again, and, just and to be clear, your, Joe Shane has it has gone out of his way to say they're not. No, I said that's in my and, agree, and my I, opinion. And I happen to agree with you, but I just want to make sure that that's not what yeah. people understand that's not what the GM is. I, I feel like 
in what you were saying yesterday, if it's you, you don't care about the wins. I get that. And obviously, you know. And I'm sure no one in this building agrees with me <laughs> no, on that. Not a soul. So <laughs> I I, and, and I'm, I'm sure no one's actually in the building's probably heard me say that. And I get ripped <laughs> if they did. But um, yeah. Well, I mean. It we, is what it is. Yeah, exactly. I, I We're just trying to build some, I guess, some, uh, just an idea of what's going to happen here going forward. Right. But, um, you know, that second round. I'm just trying to think of some offensive linemen. I have some offensive linemen down here that I think might go in, you know, in the second round. And the Giants have a high pick in the second round, so um, I'm just because you asked me, would you be better? I think we can definitely get a better edge rusher, rusher than an offensive lineman in the second round. It's just a deeper mm-hmm. group. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great talk. It's going to go up on Monday um, with Brandon Thorne, who is a an offensive line scout for. Uh, oh yeah, you were saying for uh, Duke Manyweather's yeah. uh, group down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scouts for them. He does some stuff for Bleacher Report. Has his own only offensive line newsletter where he just does offensive line analysis. On is his this the guy that actually works with offensive linemen? Do you you said something about a, a guy the other day that that you were mentioning? I don't remember if I mentioned that to you. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, uh, Brandon Thorne, who if you follow him on Twitter, he's a great offensive line follow. So uh, he did not have a ton of offensive tackles in the second round in this draft. Well, actually, he did have a couple, but we all think they're going to go in the first round anyway. Anyway, you know what I'm like, saying? Like Zion Johnson. Yeah, he's he. He had him as a two, I think, but we all think. What he's about Darian Kennard? Uh, he did not have him as a two. He has him okay. as more of a third round guy. Well, you know, if the Giants draft him, we're in trouble. He, because he, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess that up for Derek Kennard oh, many times. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I, I think Darian Kennard might be more of a guard than a tackle. You know, I'm I feel confident you can find guards on day two, Jeff. I'm worried about finding your offensive, your right tackle. He is he's a guy that I think that they would move inside. Yeah, Kennard. I mean I think he, you know he played tackle in college, right, so maybe you can yeah. leave him out there. But I think you move him in. Um, the guy he actually liked as a second round pick is a guy that I've talked a lot about and you were going to butcher the name. So I kind of like it even more. Oh, is, okay. Uh, thank you. Daniel Falalele. Falalele. From Minnesota. I'm going to think of the Falalas at, and in, again, in New York City. <laughs> he, he's 300 and he weighed in at the combine at 376. Oh, no. Six, eight. A slim 376. Brandon, Brandon told me he thinks he played at 400 this year. At the combine, they said he showed up at Minnesota at 425. <laughs> I mean, this guy is massive, Jeff, but... He can move. Well, he's six eight. So yeah, so, he's huge. Can, he's I think he's six eight and a half you actually. Can, you can hold a little, you know. Like if you can get him down to like three sixty, mm. three fifty five well, maybe. May, well, I'll tell you what, maybe you may not have to if he's like she's saying he's if he moves around. Yeah, but he has issues in pass protection right now, and I think if you can get some of that weight off of him, moves a little. Yeah, yeah, like Jordan Mylott, I think plays at like three seventy, right, or something like that. So if you can just get him down like another twenty pounds to like you know fifteen pounds to like three seventy or something like that, three sixty five. Imagine the beds these guys have to have. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but he's like a monster. So like that's a guy in the second round. I guess you can think about. But again, it's a risk too. Like you risk a guy that right now isn't a very good pass protector and pick him with the thirty fifth pick in the draft. Not at this juncture when you're trying to get your offensive line right. So I don't, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm so not into into developing guys at second round right now. Yeah, I mean, you if you're picking a guy in the second round, you want to be able to plug and play him, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's and and I'm I'm gonna get your calls in a second. That is basically what the equation is that we're gonna be trying to solve for the next month and a half. Right. If you don't pick an offensive tackle at five or seven, then what? Where's your guys? Then what? Yeah. What are you doing at right tackle? Well, we'll rank we'll rank our guys and then we'll see how where they fall. You know. And that's tough. Because look, offensive tackles are like defensive ends, man, in most drafts. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find one after, you know, the yeah. first, you yeah. know, a couple dozen Sometimes you can. Draft. Sometimes you can. Yeah. Um, but it's but hard. It's very – well, the whole draft's hard. It really is. I mean, right. you go back and look at the history of first-rounders. I mean, a lot of them just – they don't make it. Yeah, well, it's, and it's, it's difficult. It is not a science. It is an, Especially it is at the an, quarterback position. It is an inexact art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. All right, Jeff, 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can reply to the show promo I just put up as well. If you have any Twitter questions, I'll try to get to them before the end of the show. But let's get to the callers. Christian will lead us off in Albany. Christian, what's going on? Hey, guys. Just want to say I'm happy about the Shepard news because mm-hmm. that guy is really a team player and the kind of guy we need right now. Yeah, look, and, and Christian, you're right. Um, we, we all like Sterling. We're all happy he's back, and it made sense. Like, if, if he's going to hit the free agent market... 
you know, having torn his Achilles tendons in December. He's not going to get a lot of, you know, action on the market. So it makes sense for him, makes sense for the team. The one-year we'll deal. from there. Right? I well, mean, I don't know. That, they have right. not put any of those right. details out there. Usually, these type of things are. Yeah. But I have not seen any details. Well, if, it's, that, a, if so it is, know. whatever it is, I mean, if he can rehab and come back and at least get in the uniform and play this year, then, you know, Sterling can prove that he's healthy. And then the Giants can decide what they want to do with him, you know, or another team next year, the following year. So, uh, and by the way, for a, for a team that's going to be making a lot of additions and subtractions, I think having a guy that's been around, this will be Sterling's seventh year, I believe. You know, that, that's a good thing in the locker room. He's a good locker room guy. Yep. He's a good good person. So He's the longest tenure giant. Yeah, absolutely. It's just freaking Yeah, and it's really, re- yeah, and it's really refreshing that he wants to be here and everything. And after everything that's, you know, after his rookie year, it's been really tough. But, um you know, speaking of the salary cap situation, um, you know, with how hard up they are for money, it just seems really tough to be paying a running back $7 million when you don't know who's going to block for him outside of one guy. And I, I, I get it. You know, you don't want to be trading away all your best players, but this just seems like a roster construction issue where you're going to be putting the cart before the horse with this. And he's going to be getting handoffs and getting blown up in the backfield because they should, I mean, I, I just see $7 million being spent pretty well on the interior of the line. And then you can draft another running back or you can have a decent running back for like a million dollars. Well, I don't know if you're getting it. I mean, that's like below minimum, depending on how many guys the year the guy's been in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, so even a million and a half, you know, you're talking about guys that are like Jordan Howard, you know, guys that actually run the ball well. And, you know, with with how many holes that are on the roster, it seems like they need to capitalize on positions that are deep in the NFL. No, Christian, look, I... I, Running running back's so deep. No, Christian, I get it, and I understand both sides of this argument. I really do. I get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really do. And I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just giving you the other side of the coin. I think the other side of the argument is I think it depends on how much you view Saquon as a player that can help your quarterback. I think that's kind of what the equation is here. Right. Even if even if he's a runner with the offense line, he's not great. How much can they utilize him as a guy Jones can throw the ball to? To help him and create mismatches and things like that. Catches. So I think that's the question you have to ask, Christian. If you, if it's your opinion that you don't think Saquon will bring much or any value to the field this year, then yes, by all means, trade him. That's the easy part of the equation. But that's the equation that I think people on the other side have different variables in, right? You don't see much value in him. I think other people say, well, we're trying to put some weapons around the quarterback here. He's someone that can help not just as someone getting handoffs, but as someone that can catch the ball out of the backfield and be a matchup problem. So they think his presence will help you evaluate the quarterback, and that's more valuable than the day three pick you would get for him in a potential trade. Yeah, and that's all you're going to get. Well, yeah, I... Yeah, I can, I can see, you know, a lot of that. And um, also, it's just, you know, the evaluating the quarterback, that might be better done if you protect him better. No, that's fair, too. But, and so a lot of that money would go to that, you know, ideally in my scenario here. But but also, like like you said, if he catches, like, 90 passes like he did when he was a rookie, then he actually is affecting wins and losses a little bit. Um, but you know the, his usage under Jason Garrett. I mean, I get there was a few a few games where he was catching passes, but mostly they really tried to get him going as a power runner. So it, it, a lot of it will have to do with utilization if they keep him. For sure. Well, and I think the other problem too is that you know he has to get better at pass protection too, so he can stay on the field. I think that's also so kind of ever a, will. A, a big part of the mm-hmm. equation too. Um, and other, frankly, is that they need to help him help Chip. You know, my thought is that you might actually line him up as a slot. So you take him out as someone that has to protect it all. You put him in there as a slot with Tony and, you know, uh, Galladay, and then you kind of figure it out from there. So, again, I don't know how they're going to use him, if they're going to do it that way. Yeah. But I think that's kind of something you can consider, though. Just, just the ways to figure out how to utilize his skill set as best as possible. And you never know. Somebody just might come out of the blue and give you more than you think you're going to get for him. And then the, the whole theory changes, right? Sure. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it could be, it could be a third round. I highly doubt it, but somebody might. You never know. 
That's true. And if I could just say one more thing. Uh, sure. I just wanted to mention, uh, I hope that they do get a pretty good quarterback behind Jones, uh, not to steal his job, but because if Jones misses more games, I don't want to be hearing about, you know, oh, is this staff up to the task in November and December because the wheels fall off the offense. You yeah, know, but, yeah, I, I kind of want them to protect the staff a little, too. No, Christian, look, I'm with you, but and, and, and thanks for the call. I appreciate it. The point I'll make, and I said this last year, too, anyone that decided this coaching staff is no good based on what happened after Daniel Jones got hurt last year is doing it wrong. Yeah. Because I don't care who you bake the staff. And you're rolling out the guys that they ran out there. No. No. <laughs> and if, if you're letting a go of a guy because of that, then you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, it was a bad situation. I don't care who the coaches were in the final six games last year. It was not going to go well. No. It was not. Now, Christian's right, and this is where I fall short sometimes, I think, with perception and fans gain perceptions of certain things in certain ways, whether it's fair or not, and that affects how teams function, right? That's just kind of the way the world works. Mm Mm-hmm. But I understand what Christian's saying. But here's my, like, down and dirty, like, really, um, you know, Machiavellian way of looking at it. Mm, good word, right. Machiavellian. If, like a cookie. If, if, if Jones gets hurt, right, and he's out for a period of time, I think at that point you're probably making the decision you can't extend them and be a super long-term answer at quarterback just because he's trying to stay healthy, right? Right. So that's my baseline level assumption for this. Okay. Wouldn't you rather lose as many games as possible so you have as high of a pick? <laughs> I'm serious. No. So you have as high a pick well, in the draft as you to can anyways. to go get your next quarterback. Like, well, does it help you to have a good backup that'll get you to seven wins so you're picking ninth instead of have four wins and you're picking second mm-hmm. or third? No, no, no. Because do you know how expensive it's going to be to move from nine to three in the draft? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to cost you future first-round picks. Yeah. Is that what you want? No, I or would get, you rather I, squeeze I out theory. two wins with a backup in December instead of just losing and getting the better pick? Listen, just saying. I, I get the theory. I get the theory. And, you know, I keep bringing up Davis Webb's n- name, but he's a guy that knows, you know, Brian Dable's system, who's here. You know what I mean? And in and, 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 and your scenario, do you really care if Daniel Jones goes out and you put Davis Webb in? to finish the season if he's got four or five weeks left? What does it matter? Right? I mean, that, into your theory. This is me shrugging. You guys can't see me, but I'm like, yeah. Pretty, yeah I mean, pretty yeah. much. I mean, that, that's, that, that's one way to do it. I, I actually think differently because I feel like, you know, I just want... Well, I think you have more of a player mindset on this thing. I, which, I do, which but I, I also have a more of a, you know, from a fan's perspective, I understand what the team is asking me to oh. do. I totally get it too. And if you're a season ticket holder paying for those tickets, you right. want to show up and you want to watch good football. I yeah. get it. And and, so, and, and by and, the way, that's why ownership goes about their business differently than say 100%. I would in my hypothetical yeah. world. That's not real. And and I feel like you owe it to your fans to because you're asking and you're asking a lot of them already to say, let's hang with me here. Yeah, you know we've we've gone through three coaches in six years, and I think you know like okay. How much more can I ask them to hang on? No, I, when all of a sudden I, I say, it. you know, we're going into the season with a guy that's never played the position in professionally yet. Yeah, at the backup quarterback. But here's the thing. Okay, that's fine, Jeff. You want to go get yourself a backup quarterback? Where's the money? And by the way, is it worth suffering for one more month to, <laughs> to get your next franchise quarterback? However, what if it? What if it's? What if it's the second game of the season? Well, you know what? It's funny. I was just about to say, Jeff, the equation changes. What happens if Daniel doesn't miss the final five weeks? What if he misses like the first six? Yeah. Or all of a sudden the second game, he misses the whole year. Right. Then you, then it could be a problem. Well, then we know what's going to happen there. They're going to go get a veteran in that juncture. Right. You have to. And they're probably. you got would, the whole season And you think there'd be someone that they could go get, So right? in, my, if in that scenario, we talked through it, then wouldn't, wouldn't it behoove you to just already have that guy on the roster? If you could afford it. Yeah, no, I get that. No, I get that. And but that's fair. But there's no wrong or right answer here, and it's also all about your theory. Right. It's and, and, you, and nobody's theory is correct, but all I'm asking is that from the pan, fans' perspective, I would want to see that this this organization or this new regime is thinking a little bit more outside the box to say, you know what, what happens because Daniel Jones is has a propensity to get hurt. And by the way, and I will say this too, Jeff, I think you and Lance... And Paul, because I think Paul's on board for a good backup quarterback too, right? Or am I wrong about that? No, you're wrong. He's 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 on kind of with you. He doesn't really see the. Value well, I don't think in he it. wants like I don't. I think he wants a good backup, but not one that's going to compete with Daniel, right? I think that's right. kind of where that's, he's at. That, that's what he said. Okay. He doesn't want a guy to come in here and compete Fine. with him to take his job. Yeah. So uh, so because they still want to 
evaluate. So him. I would say you and Lansing are the top of the ladder. Paul's kind of in a middle rung, and I'm right at the bottom of the ladder. <laughs> well, if you want to put yourself yes. at the bottom, I'm that's putting fine. myself at the bottom of the ladder. And that's I mean, okay. I don't know if Pearson would put you at the bottom. <laughs> Probably not, but no, because he knows better. Um, <laughs> um, but look, that, that that's just kind of how I look at it, and I don't think how Joe Shane's going to look at it, and how ownership's going to look at it, and how Brian Dable's going to look at it is like how I look at it. I, and I, I don't expect them to agree right. with me on this. Right. And frankly, they're probably right. And I'm probably wrong, which I, is fine. I think they're going to be more and much closer to you and Lance. If they have the money. Than they are to me. But they have to find the money. Well, correct. That's it's going to be, that's it's gonna it be minimum $3 million. If you want to get a good one. If, 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 yes. if like in our theory. If you want to get like that Tyrod, love, Tyrod Taylor level player, you're looking at yeah. a minimum of $3 million. Mariota. Probably. I think Mariota, you're looking at double that. You, th- you think? I think some team might bring him in to compete for a starting job this year, like legit. Interesting. Like one of these teams that's left without a dance mate, mm-hmm. like whomever doesn't make the trade for Deshaun Watson, whoever doesn't make the trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, like there's going to be a couple teams that are just left on the dance floor with no partner, and that's going to be Trubisky. That's going to be Marcus Mariota, where it's like, you know, you guys have Fitz Mike magic as a again. starter. <laughs> I think the king of the one-year deal. <laughs> I think that's over. You th- I, I, I think, think it's he's over a too. little too old, which is why I put him on my list as like the low-cost veteran backup. But he's almost like, you know what he is? He's almost like a, a Kurt Warner years ago. Remember when when he they brought him in before Eli? Yeah, I mean, he Kurt yeah. was pretty much done, but he—I mean, well, pretty much done. He ended up taking the Cardinals to a Super Bowl. I know, three but years I later. mean, you thought he was right, <laughs> right? But you know, with the thing with Fitzpatrick, the guy, the guy will—he's going to give you some good games. No, sure he will, because of his intelligence. No, no, he won't. But be, he's going to give you some clunkers no, too. He—he he, he is a—he is a guy that will give you a chance to win football games. Right. Yeah. No question. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Well, these are these are. And the fun part, Jeff, all these hypotheticals in about a week are probably going to be gone. (laughs) So we better enjoy doing them now. We'll see. All right. Rick and Tampa, he joins us next. Rick, what's going on? Hi, Rick. Hey, guys. What's up? What's up? What's What's up? up? Happy Friday. Yeah, uh, big game. Duke Miami today, buddy. Oh, well, Duke's definitely going down. In basketball? Think so? Yeah. Yeah, I can see Miami beating Duke in football. I'm not sure Miami's beating Duke in basketball. (laughs) Hey, Miami's not a bad basketball team. They're not. No, they, they they showed some guts the other day. Yeah, some, you know. Hey, remember I, game, a few years ago they were they made the Sweet Sixteen, so you know, yeah. well, who knows? Well, it'll be a big win for them today, so we'll see. You know, oh, you know uh, who I? Uh, I'm uh, sorry, uh, I was thinking it was North Carolina. That's why I said that. They may not have a chance against Duke. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not sure yeah. how good Duke is this year. Are they good, Duke? I don't even know. Well, just, I mean, you automatically they think are they good. are. Oh. They- Ton of young guys. I mean, they're, they're they're this year and next year. I would. Count oh yeah, Duke. Yeah, Duke. Duke. Duke is the one seed in the ACC tournament. Miami is fourth. That's yeah. pretty good. That's what I'm saying. They can right. never know where yeah. they playing. Oh, at Miami, you said right. They got no. chance. There. Oh. Yeah. 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 No, or yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure where the ACC tournament is this year. I got to look that up. No, the ACC tournament is not. I thought the ACC tournament's in New York. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's actually at Barclays. You should go. Yeah. Jeff, make a call. I'm an alum. Get me in the building. Seven o'clock tonight. Go make the courtside. Call. I'm not sure you can pull courtside. I might. <laughs> First of all, I'm not going to Brooklyn, so that ain't gonna happen. Whoa, what's wrong with Brooklyn? Nothing. Just getting there is a all right. I was gonna. That, that's it. Okay. Relax over there. There's no, no nothing wrong with Brooklyn. It's just getting there. Is in fact, my kids were in Brooklyn today. See, they're smart. <laughs> they are. Go smart. ahead, Rick. What yeah. do you got? <laughs> all right. You know what? Two things, real quick. So Khalil Mack. I mean, the Giants had no. I mean. Uh, not, you know, deep second round pick for him. I mean, is it just money or is he just hurt too much? I mean, why no, it's would money. It's money. It's money. That's definitely I mean, money. If, the, if you like, listen to what we were talking about before, yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's deep money. If you yeah, want to talk, if you want to talk about a complete rebuild, Rick, that's what the Bears yeah, are in. The yeah. Bears are tearing it all down and starting from scratch. So that that's why but, they made that trade. Giant, well, we could never, we would never co- contemplate the thoughts of Khalil Mack because I, I mean, I would like to have him on the team. No, you can't afford him. Yeah. Rick, you can't afford it. We can't him. afford it. No. All right. Okay. Like, I would love to uh, go out can't. there and, and sign. Like, look, if the Giants had money this year, I would be banging the table to give Teron Armstead as much money as he wants to mm-hmm. be your starting left tackle. Mm-hmm. Whatever he wants, hand right. it to him. That's how good he is. The Giants just don't have the money to do that. Nope. So you're going to have okay. to be patient. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. The other thing is that if, if, if you're talking about Saquon, if he has a monster year this year, and we're still, you know, we're, we're winning games despite your, what you are saying earlier. Uh, and he has a great year and everything. Are they going to sign him next year for uh, a big contract? I don't know, Rick. I have no idea. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the good thing about keeping him. 
is you have to make that decision later, but ne- and that's a good thing, right? Let you, him, can always, I mean, you can always franchise him and trade him, You can always franchise him. Um, yeah, or just let him walk in, and you let him walk, and then you get a, a compensatory pick mm-hmm. for him. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things you can do. Way down right. the line. It's, right. a, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it would. Yeah, okay. So that that's basically it. It was just those couple things. Uh, and the other thing, I mean, is I, DK Metcalf, would love to have him, but uh, that's the least of our, <laughs> I guess, that ain't happening right now. Wide receiver, right? Yeah. By the way, this idea. By the way, not to interrupt you, Rick. I apologize. But this idea, this idea that the Seahawks are going to go into this rebuild with like an eighty-year-old coach and Pete Carroll is crazy. I know. I don't think they're they're no, not. They're going to try to find a way to win that's games. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Like they're yeah. they're not trading. DK he's got a couple Metcalf. years left on his deal, and yeah, he's done. Exactly. So I uh, Metcalf, if they get rid of him. I don't see that happening at all. They just got to find a quarterback. Well, well a lot of people Lock. think they're the ones well, that are going to go hard after Deshaun Watson. Watson. Yeah, exactly. They're right. They're in on that. Yeah, they're in on that as well. From what I heard, but yeah, I know. I I, I heard about DK Metcalf. So, hmm, that would be nice. Okay, that's basically it. I was just curious because I, I mean to have uh, uh, to to have Khalil Mack as well as picking up a young edge rusher. I mean that would be nice to. Uh, Form the team uh, going forward, but I guess it's not uh, financially going to be going to be able to do it. So, all right, that answers my question. Thank you, Rick. That's it. Have a great That's weekend, buddy. Bye bye. Appreciate it. I wonder if Rick's going to be going to any baseball games now that the baseball thing. I know baseball's back. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. And now the next month is going to be chaos as they have to do like free agency and spring training and all that stuff in a span of like three weeks. Because <laughs> they're kept opening, opening day. day. Opening day is April seventh, man. I know. You know what? The players it, love that. It got backed up a week. They did one week? Yeah, I think a week. Well, regardless, regardless, the players like that because I mean, I think oh, that well, you know, getting the starting pitchers ready is going to be hard. I guess you know, so. it takes those pitchers like a month, month, six weeks, seven weeks to get to get their arms going. So you might have a lot and of these like to. you might have a lot of those four inning starting pitching performances to start the year here, which is not ideal. But you know, well, I mean, they, they, that, those teams all have they have so much that, they have so many pitchers it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's kind of what baseball is now. I right? no one it actually is. pitches seven yeah. innings anymore. One of the reasons why it's not as good as it used to be. Uh, let's go to UC in St. James. UC, what's up? Hey guys, how you doing? Good. What's happening, man? Is how are it, you? Is this St. James as in the island? Yeah, Long Island, baby. Oh, Long Island. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, okay, we know that island. That's yes. really close to us. Yes, I was thinking more St. James, like island in the Caribbean island, <laughs> not Long Island. But that's okay. What do you? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, me I too. Wish. What do you got? You see. So I got a I got a quick draft question for you guys. But before that, I just, I just have a little quick story. So I was on Twitter this morning. No, sorry about and that. I came I came across this. Two minute and twelve second video of the last second of the two thousand seven Super Bowl. You know, Eli's kneeling the ball. People are starting to hug each other. You know, <laughs> confetti's falling. Patriots are going back to the locker room. Great scene. And uh, the clip then cuts to Plaxico Burst getting interviewed, and he's very emotional. Obviously, the guy just won the Super Bowl. And then the last twelve seconds of this video, right? And schmuck, I could even Twitter message you this video, but it cuts to Jeff. And his kids. And oh his yeah. Wife. And and Jeff is just looking around, you know, confetti's going everywhere, and and then uh, his wife yells out to him, and she's laughing while she says it. She's like, "What do we do now?" Right, right. And and Jeff says, "Just take it all in. Exactly. I did. I totally in. remember that. I ch- I mean, because I at that point it was it was just like so." surreal right i mean it's like my wife's like well what do we do now i'm like i don't know i just just take it all in here i mean look at all the conf- I had confetti <laughs> stuck to my head you know from sweating and it was just yeah that was a, that yeah, was a yeah. special you, moment you see do me a favor send that to me i want to check it's it out cool. yeah i want to check it out send that um to me. but that, i'll send it to you right after this call but just perfect. watching that moment you know i felt so proud you know because that was your Thank 20th you. NFL season, right? Sure. Yeah, it took me a long time to get to that moment, and then I didn't know what to do. See, now where I, <laughs> see, now where I thought you were going, you are going to say, we're going to Disney World. Uh, <laughs> no, not, that you, wasn't going to happen. No. <laughs> no. If we're going to Disney World, it ain't because I'm the MVP. Oh, I'm, no. I'm going, oh, going no. there anyways, oh, then, yeah. Oh, oh no, you... 
You're oh, paying for it. Oh, yeah, you no question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, I didn't win a car either, no. so. Um, but it didn't matter. I, I did win the Super Bowl. And, yeah, that was a, that was a very special moment that time. And Because, um, you know, my wife had been, she, we were, we've been married a long time, so she was with me the whole time through all the 20 years leading up to that. And, and the boys were old enough to understand what was going on, which was great. And, by the way, my one son, Trevor, who's my third son, he's a huge Seahawks fan. Um, so he didn't have a very good day the other day when they when they traded Russ. Oh, he was not happy. No, he was not happy at all. In fact, he oh, sent man. sent us a text. He said, "I'm glad everybody else is having a good day. I'm having a horrible day." And <laughs> my wife texts him back, "Are you okay?" He's like, "No." And she's like, oh, "What happened?" And she's like, "He's like the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson." And she's your like, wife's like, "Shut up." <laughs> I know. Oh, good. Okay, everything is okay. But um, he wanted to wear he wanted to wear his Seahawks jersey you to the Super Bowl. Can you believe that? My wife is like, no, take that thing off. You're not, t- you're not wearing that. So, um, anyways, that was a special moment. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that. I, you, uh, you see, one second, Jeff. Quick question: Did she try to convince you to retire after the 27, 2007 season? Did she like Jeff? Look, you won the Super Bowl. Let's no. get out on top. No. Wow. No. So she wanted you out of the house that badly, huh? <laughs> she still does. <laughs> She's like, why? Why did you retire? <laughs> she so, put you to work. What are you? Oh my god! Me? Hell she yeah! Needs you yeah, now. I am definitely working more than I did when I was playing football. <laughs> that's for sure. For less pay. Um, but the fact that no, I I was just you know it was time that one extra that after the nine oh nine season I just knew it was. So there. both of you guys were definitely sure after 07 you wanted to come back for another yeah, year. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, I was and, just wondering. Yeah, it was good too. And by the way, the 08 season when I went to the Pro Bowl. I know. I see that. So it was. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to get to to get out of there yet. And God, then the following man. season. I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. That 08 season still sticks in my oh, craw. We were so. That good. is, look, I, I've been around now, boy. I've been working giant games in one way, shape, or form for 19 years now, mm-hmm. and I even, I, you know, I can go back earlier than that, watching it growing up and everything. That 2018 was so much better than the 2011 team. We it were was at 200 yards on the ground, and it was so much. Game. And frankly, it was better than what the 2017. Oh, was there's at no the question. End. What you saw though at the end of the 2007 season was the team slowly transforming right. into 100%. the 2008 yeah. team. Yeah, and then that 2008 team was literally guys talk about a team that imposed their will on both sides of the ball. You guys did whatever you wanted yep. up front Ran on both sides, getting after the quarterback, stopping the run, running the football, and you guys were just better than everyone else up front. And it's funny because you remember a lot of times you, they had those Super Bowl hangovers. You know, oh, the next year is horrible. Did it. We didn't, I mean, we were not hung over yet. We didn't drink enough, I guess, but we were ready to go. I mean, we were locked and loaded. I was there at the 2007 party. You guys definitely drank enough. Yeah, we definitely did. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we didn't even get the first time. I, I didn't go to sleep. I mean, I don't think I went to sleep for. I mean Saturday night before the game, and then I think we came back. Remember we had the remember we had the the parade on like Tuesday the day after. Yeah, we got. Oh back, my goodness! Uh-huh. Yeah, that was uh, oh, that was still tired. Oh. No, the parade was, and uh, you know John knows a lot of these stories. I've told them all, but I, I honestly I had no idea what the Canyon of Heroes was. You know, being you really had no idea, no idea, because you know I grew uh, up on the West uh, Coast, it, and it, I really didn't pay much attention to you know when oh, you know the kind of stuff. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable! In fact, that was just as impressive as the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, when you were going, when we were going down that parade route and seeing all that confetti, and I have never in my life seen that many people just come out of nowhere. It was impressive, very impressive. Yeah, glad I got to do that too. I'm sorry, UC. I totally hijacked yeah. your call. You yeah. got anything else? Go ahead, UC. Oh, right. no, the floor is yours now. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Honestly, the next time a New York team wins a championship, whew, Manhattan will be crazy. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. But. uh Anyway, so my draft question. Mm-hmm. So listen, guys, Sauce Gardner. Okay, this mm-hmm. dude is gonna be the real deal. I'm telling you, honestly, I feel it. And if Neil and Aquanu aren't there on the board at five, which 99% pers- uh, they won't be, um, you know, I wouldn't be mad at all. Honestly, I'd kind of be excited if we picked Sauce at five. What do you think? No, I think we're John and I are both on board with yeah, that. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I mean, especially, and again, again, I don't know how if you heard what we were talking about when we first came on, but a lot of this is going to be dictated in the, in the next week as far as what happens with, you know, James Bradbury and some of the other uh, casualties on the cap side. So that's mm-hmm. going to kind of paint a picture of what we're thinking is going to happen in the draft. And then you got free agency too. So, yeah, you know, honestly, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. I, I would be open to even trading back from the seventh position getting into the teens. Maybe we could find Tyler Linderbaum in there or something. But, um, you know, I'm really excited, and it was great talking to you guys, and I'll call back soon. 
You thank too. You. Thank you. Appreciate the call, you see. It's, he makes a good point because obviously we, I think we all agree that you know taking a center in the top ten shouldn't happen. And I've I've heard a lot of teams are worried about some of the Linderbaum stuff. That being meaning how light he is, or just how, dude, just, he measured just, in, he measured in the thirty-one inch arms. Oh wow. Okay, so he's small. Yeah. Those are like some that that's some T Rex level stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. So you combine look and look, he's a good player, mm-hmm. but. Look, if you're trying to do those reach blocks and those zone schemes and, you know, the other and the bigger defensive linemen's locking you out and you can't get your arms on them, it's a problem. Will will he be able to make up somewhere else because of that? But, you know, is his speed, is his durability, I mean, those kinds of things. But it's It's still a risk. The more stuff you have to make up, the further you go down in the draft. So to his point. Uh, maybe that if he did, if you didn't move out of that seven to get some other draft capital, maybe he's there at eighteen. Jeff, I've somewhere. heard some people think he might drop into the twenties. Jesus, is that your Sorry wife? No, no, I don't know who it is. <laughs> Somebody with Sotheby's. So, we'll, oh, we'll auction house. We'll call back them later. No, Sotheby's. Sotheby's a real estate company too. They make nice cake. They make nice what? Cake. Cake. Seinfeld reference. You don't watch Seinfeld? No. No. Yes. No, I have, but I I don't watch it enough to know that. That is. <laughs> Do you, want, do you want me to get into the whole thing for you? Yeah, absolutely, because I love All the right. show. I, I, I'll get to it after the final okay. call. All okay, right, I want to make sure we get our All last right. caller. Yeah. All right, let's go back <laughs> to the phone. I, I will t- remind me. I'll tell the story. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. He's up next. Pete and uh, Pearson, you can scream one more if you want. Pete, what's going on? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, John. I told you I was going to call in this week. I asked you for the schedule the other day. We've been tweeting back and forth because oh, you know okay. I'm a Jermaine. Yes. I'm a Jermaine Johnson guy. Yes, you and are. You know that. You 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 love you some Jermaine Johnson. <laughs> well, look, you know John. No, you player. know I've been what? Listen, I've been on him for well over a month before the Senior Bowl, before anybody even knew who he was. And you know, I watch a lot of game film. I watched between ten and fifteen games. And then I got sold, you know, completely sold once the Senior Bowl happened. Okay, now then I had the problem with Jeremiah, and you and guy, you and I talked about this, basically. You know where where he said, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, this guy can do it. All. First off, Jeremiah gets information that we can't get, right? Correct. He talks to agents, he talks to trainers, he knows how guys are going to do with the combine. And, well, and by the way, he, he he also talks to like GMs and, and college scouting directors so and he, players. He talks to all those people, yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, but here was my problem with Jeremiah, where he where he started talking up Walker, and I and you know, and right off the bat, he started talking about. Uh, uh, that, uh, oh, he can definitely uh, play the edge and, you know, just off of the combine and he's going up and down. And I said, wait a minute now. He's never played at edge, although he might have played some at edge. A few steps, not a lot. Correct. Right. He's more of an inside tackle the way I saw it. He played uh, inside the tackle, you know, from the games that I watched, you know. And I said, wait a minute. And he's saying, and other guys have said the same thing, that, that, uh, he should should be, and that's a big word and a dangerous word to say he should be able to transition to the edge. That's projection. That, that is projection. And, you are correct. Exactly, and I'm not buying that, especially when you're picking a five or seven. I totally I'm get it. I'm not going to buy that. I totally get you it, know? Pete. I'm with you. You know, I would much rather go with the proven product, although he's a couple, he might be a year or two older, okay? Uh, he might be, I think he's like 23. Three, if I'm not mistaken, I'll check that. Twenty, yeah, I think he's twenty-three. But the, the, the bottom line is, for me, he checked every box, every single box. By far, by far, he's the best all-around edge in this draft. By far, okay. Meaning he can stop the run, he can drop in coverage, he can he can pass rush. He's got numerous, numerous moves in, in the pass rush. His bend might be a little bit, you know, maybe a little work on that. He's got speed, and he's got a motor, and he's, John, I watched interviews with nah, him. No, he was great. He's he was great. Unbelievable. No, I agree. That, you know, I don't like to use the word blown away, but when I listened to his uh, interviews the other day, I was like, oh, my God. No, you know, he, he's, about- he's a very self-aware kid that was able to analyze his own game pretty fairly. And he kind of, you can tell he's kind of a deep thinker. 
I, I, I was at his press conference for probably about five minutes at the Combine as I was jumping around. I, I agree, I, Pete. I, I, was, I, I was pretty impressed by him. So yeah. he was out in 2020. He was hurt. Is that why he didn't come out? And then he played it, and he was a senior. He went to, right? He was well, I, don't, I, I haven't looked at his 2020 season. Here, I have to look at it. He, had, um, he only had 14 tackles. And well, he, the reason he left Georgia, he had trouble getting on the field. Okay. That's oh, why right. that's why he oh, left he Georgia was, because their defensive line is so freaking ridiculous. He, yeah, well, he at, was behind he was behind the Lojolari. Right, correct. He was mm-hmm. right? Gotcha. And okay. he played he played he played he initially played at linebacker, then he bulked up and moved to the edge. But now he's behind the Lojolari. He could not get on the field. So then he moved to, to uh, FSU after that. And from that point it was like, you know, Okay, guys. Twelve sacks. This, this is what I got, and he showed, and he showed everything. But also, John, in that interview, that uh, two interviews that I watched the other day, it was always team first, team first, and that's huge as far as Joe, you know, saying I might miss on the player, but more often I might miss on the person, right? Right. And. And I listened to that the other day, and I, I, I just completely flipped out. Now, my thing was, I had sent the questionnaire for you and Tony Pauline, okay? If, if, if everybody's so high on Walker. I'm wondering whether or not you can actually take, take Walker at five and take Jermaine at seven if both tackles are off the board. No, you can. Because, sure. Right? Because, and, and I would think... You know, if if they're saying, well, Walker can do it all and do this and do that, well, I mean, I could see him basically, I could see him, I honestly could see him playing in Martinez's role. I could see that. Wait, Blake? Correct. Uh, I, I don't I don't think you want to move him out of position. I think if you draft those two guys, you put them on either. End, yeah. You put them on either end, or maybe you put Ojolari one end, Johnson on the other, you put Walker inside, and then you kind of just let him go and you say, guys, go get that quarterback. And the one thing I'll say to Pete again, I'm a Jermaine Johnson fan. I think he's gonna be a top ten pick. I would not be upset if the Giants picked him at seven. I got no problem with that. Um Absolutely. if you Absolutely. he had the fourteen sacks, but he only had seven quarterback hits. So it's the it, remember it's not just sacks it's the totality of the pass mm-hmm. rush production. So why was that? And and that's why I you know that's why he's not like <clears throat> in that you know upper echelon Bosa Chase Young Miles Garrett category. Typical. You know his production wasn't off the charts great. It was good, but it wasn't off the charts great. Right. I'm, I'm, John. I'm looking at him more as the rounded player, is what I'm Correct. saying. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. You know, yeah, against the run, edge, drop back in coverage, he 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 checks every box. Now, as far as like I, I heard you guys talking about Lindebaum a minute ago. You know what? He he scares me a little bit because of the short arms, and I watch film on him also, and he can get in in, in tight. John, he could be mauled. No, he can be. Absolutely. Yeah, like, not very like, big. like if you if you're playing against a 3-4 team, I know if Len's listening, he's like right on. If you're playing a 3-4 team with that big nose tackle, mm-hmm. like that could be a problem for him. Yeah, like the yeah. dude from Georgia. Imagine that guy lining up for you and then he would just eat him for lunch. That's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> now 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 my scenario on the draft is is uh, is uh is two ways to go here. If both tackles are off the board, let's forget about that. My 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 thing would be Sauce at five and and Jermaine at seven. Okay. As far as trading down, forget about that. You're good luck getting a trade partner. Right. You know because uh, I mean if you look at the the way the draft is set up, these players are rated and graded. It's almost like clustered. Everybody's very close to each other as far as a grade. Correct. Okay. Now, uh, so I, I don't see it. It can happen, but I, I, I don't see how it can happen. Good luck getting a partner with that. Um, as far as uh, the next offensive lineman I like, John, is, uh, is Zeon. And unfortunately, I don't think we're anywhere near getting to him, uh, you know, in the in the uh, second round, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think I think the way Zion performed at the Senior Bowl on Combine, the mm-hmm. fact that he might be able to even play center for you, I think he's probably gone between picks twenty and twenty five. I think, and for me, after seeing Kenyon Green move a little bit, and I know his tape's good, and he's a mauler. Zion Johnson is much more technically sound to me. I trust yes. him more than I trust Green. Yeah, he's been moving yes. up the board. Yeah, yes, he's polished, 
And look, I'm sorry to keep you guys. I know you got to get right. the calls. I got two more things here. Keep an eye for tight end. There's two guys late, later rounds. Two guys, and even though I, you know, I know who the top guys are, and I, and I get it. We might not be able to get them. There's one guy. His name is Woods. I think John. He's like six seven and whatnot. Jelani Woods, I believe, from either Virginia or Virginia Tech. I think he's from Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And there's another guy who's six foot eight and Austin something. I I don't know. Um, he was. Uh, oh, geez, I don't remember. I have to look it up and then I'll tweet it out to you. I'll tell you who he is. Um, that's another guy and. Uh, you know, I think that's. You know what? I think I covered every base. <laughs> awesome. No, thank you, Pete. That's a good call. You know, uh, but listen. Uh, as I said, if the tackles are there, I think you you probably go one of them. Either one of them. I prefer Neil. I think. I think he might be a little more polished, and he plays three positions. He does play right, plays left, plays hard. Um, he does have problems with his balance at times, and he does lunge. He does, from what I've seen, especially in the run game. He does. That's correct. You know, and by the way, uh, Jermaine uh, beat up Icky pretty good. I actually, I'm, 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 I was going to go back and watch that full game. I have not watched it yet, but that 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 is on my watch list. Jelani Woods is I from watched Virginia. It. Virginia. I watched thank it. And I watched it, and uh, he he abused him pretty good. Uh, he also, by the way, he put Penning on his back at the Senior Bowl. He put Kennard on his back at the Senior Bowl. Both of them on their back. Thank you, and Pete. At any rate, listen, I, I, listen great call. Ah, looks Goodbye. like we lost him. Sorry, Pete. I think you hit the half an hour mark there. It was a good call, though. Excellent Johnny call. Woods, Thank you. Two, six foot seven, 260. No, dude, and he, he, he basically killed all of their tight ends in the testing at the Combine, too. He was Four, six. phenomenal. 461. No, nah. he's he's like a big height, weight, speed, build guy. I have not gone back and watched him yet. Um, that's he's. I'm, I have. Let me show you. Jeff, he was recruited list. out of high school as a dual threat QB. I, I'm going to hand this to you. Oh, These are it? the guys I still want to watch. That's right. my offensive list. And then you get no, no, no. no I'm just saying, this, this, this was the beginning. I remember I asked you. Remember I was uh -huh. I was around the day you you first started. Right. You journaled your first one in here. Well, all well, it's oh, wow. Okay. All right. Anyways, you're there. Anyway, so. That, that, um, those are my offensive guys I still want to do a deep, deep watch on. And then I have my defense on the other side. So there's a lot of guys still to go. Yeah, Jelani Woods is the last tight end on your list. Yeah, so, so. I, have, I, have, I have a pretty deep list there, and I'm going to get back. Today I had to do a lot of you know cleaning up and preparing and looking ahead stuff, like, you know, producer-type business. Mm -hmm. Next week I'm going to try to get back to the tape a little bit. And, and, and maybe a little bit this afternoon before I get out of here, too. But um, all right, so the Seinfeld story. Do you have Do you have access to the Thunder stuff that they do here? I do. Oh, see, there you go. There's your. That's a perfect place to watch film. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Anyways, all right. So, um, uh, so Sotheby's. Yes. So the premise of the episode, Pearson. Do you ever watch Seinfeld? Are you Seinfeld familiar? Okay. Okay. So you probably know this reference. So um, Elaine was getting the munchies at work, so she goes into Peterman's office to see if she's he has anything in his refrigerator. It's like big fancy piece of cake in there. So she eats some of the cake, right? When she's done, Peterman walks in. He goes, Elaine, oh, I got to tell you about this new find I had. I wanted an auction house, a piece of cake from the wedding of like queen whatever to king <laughs> whomever Sundays. in like 1932. Okay, yeah, I got so it. So okay. she ate like an 80-year-old piece of cake, <laughs> right? So she ate a couple pieces off. So it's still kind of in there. So, But eventually she says, all right, I need to find the replacement for this cake so he doesn't know that I ate it, right? So she ends up going to the to Monk's, the diner, and she has a picture. She has the Sotheby's book with her, and she goes, do you have a piece of cake that looks like this to the person behind the counter? So Kramer walks in, and, you know, Kramer's, oh, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a piece of cake. And Kramer takes the book, looks at it, sees the piece of cake, closes it, says, oh, Sotheby's. They make good cake. <laughs> oh, that's what. I, okay, gotcha. All right, that's what it's from. I'll be darned. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sotheby's for the people that don't know is an auction house, Which also a real estate agency, but they do not actually make cake. Speaking of Peterman, I played golf with Peterman in Tahoe. No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. He was my. He was my whatever. But he was he in, was my in group. your foursome. He was in my group. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. Oh my god, a great dude. Yeah, good dude? absolutely. Right, yeah, cool. a lot of fun. By the way, f funny story. Uh, this is also Peterman related. So. Did you know that catalog is based on a real thing? Being the auction, like a no, a, a, like 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 the Jay Peterman character and oh, oh. and like the company that they sell like the catalog 
in Seinfeld was based on a real thing. Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. So I had just moved in to my apartment on the Upper West Side with my wife in like, two, God, what was that, 2013, something like that. And we get a little catalog in the mail one day addressed to the person that lived in the apartment before us. Because that still happens. You know how that sure, goes. You yeah. move into a place, yeah. you get the old mail. And I'm looking, I'm like, what is this thing? I forget the name of it too. It saved it. It's in a box somewhere. It wasn't Jay Peterman. It was called something else. Yeah. So I open it and I'll be damned. You know, like those stupid little stories that Elaine had to write in the show for the catalog? They are. It is pinpoint <laughs> to like, oh, the moccasin sandals when it's cold and you're walking at night, but you want comfort. Like it is pinpoint it is. to the deal, real thing. And I just figured that was a made-up thing. I had no idea that was real. Another reason why that was one of the best shows ever in the history. It is a it is a real thing. And here's another funny story from that. So my wife, as you well know, grew up in the Midwest, right? Right. I guess in Midwests, black and white cookies aren't a thing, or at least they weren't when she grew up in like the '80s or early '90s. Mm-hmm. So when they had the episode where you know Jerry's in the bakery and he does the whole you know uh, you know racial harmony black and white cookie <laughs> thing yeah. bit. Yeah. Her and her whole family thought it was like a made-up thing. They didn't know black and white cookies were real. Wow. Because I guess they didn't have black and white cookies in the Midwest. You know what else they didn't have in the black Midwest? And this is coming full circle now. They did not have Entenmann's. <laughs> oh, poor things. They did not have Entenmann's in that area of the country back then. So they also, going back to the Sotheby's Entenmann's, because eventually she buys a piece of Entenmann's cake from the case <laughs> at the end of the aisle, they also... Didn't realize Entenmann's was a real thing because it just didn't exist. Because back then, I guess there were more regional brands. Sure, sure. It wasn't like across the whole country. Yeah, yeah. So, we've, so we've come full circle on the cake. <laughs> Entenmann's. How you, you can't go wrong with that one either. Now, the best part of the end of the Seinfeld episode, Peterman eventually finds out that Elaine ate the cake that he paid like $28,000 for. Right. And so she's sitting there. He's all mad and she's afraid that he's going to get fired. And, and all Peterman says to her, Elaine... Do you know what happens when you try to digest a cake that's been stored in a musty English, you know, storeroom for, <laughs> for 55 years? years? She goes, no, you're going to have punishment enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of the episode. That's good. Anyway, Jeff, that's, good stuff. That's good stuff. All right. So we'll see you on Monday at noon. And that's when uh, the uh, negotiating period, mm-hmm. or as Jeff likes to call tampering. it, the legal tampering you period. You are tampering. Whoa. New right now. Cowboys engaged in trade talks regarding offensive tackle Lael Collins. Mm. on NFL Network. That's interesting. No word on if they're going to be able to move Amari Cooper yet. They're apparently trying to do that too. And they're trying to figure out Demarcus Lawrence. Now, they won 12 games last year. You know, you can live with being over the cap when you win 12. Yeah. So, but still, they're going to have, uh, their roster's not going to be as good next year when they, if they're losing some of these really good players. So well, that, they'll figure it out. For, don't even think the Giants are in that, in that run. No, no, no. That no. guy's going to be big bucks. Please stop. Everybody, thanks for being with us. We'll see Thank you on you, Monday everyone. noon. Have a great weekend. Adios.